0: Thank you, Leonor, for your kind words, and thank you, Brian, for inviting me to this fabulous event. I have to say that when you invite Finns to the events, you don't ask us to be, just be a Finn or be Finnish. We, are, we, we ask not to be dry, not to be academic. I don't know where you get these ideas that we would be like that. Uh, as English is really not my, my first language, and I do not write speeches either. I have to admire your bravery for inviting me here. You mentioned the tweeting, and I think that might be the the thing that actually brought me here. Tweeting can help also those people who have less experience to get to the most wonderful places and positions, as we have all recently seen. I'm indeed a Finn, but I have lived in Scotland for the past four years. This uh, living abroad thing, it has been an interesting social experiment for me. As an official immigrant, I think uh, populist leaders, they are more interested to talk about me than to me. And this is, I have found this attention to be both flattering and disturbing as well. Anyway, I've I'm quite positive that living abroad has helped me as a public speaker. As some of you may know, Finns do not really value that much public speaking. But they are great at interpreting silences. We know how many different silences there are. Scots, however, they are more than happy to talk, (laughs) although some people might have difficulties in understanding them. So, one could say that I have actually managed to grasp the best of the both worlds. I have learned to create silences that no one can really understand. (laughs) Populist leaders, however, they are commonly believed to be exceptionally good speakers. There are these maybe cliches, but it's often said that populists, they mesmerize their audience with charisma, well-chosen words, and that they offer simple solutions to difficult problems. I kind of disagree with this. I believe that to really appreciate populists' talent, we need to go further back in this process of communication. What I think populists are really particularly good at is listening. Listening is the reason why their messages resonate so well with their audiences. I enjoy visiting all kinds of events, and especially political ones. And those of the populist parties, they are often the most interesting and entertaining ones. And facilities, they they tend to be excellent. There is no exactly cue to the ladies, if you know what I mean. (laughs) During the US presidential election campaign, I traveled around the country. I was covering campaigns as freelance journalist, so that is another, another role that I occupy every now and then. I felt like a celebrity sometimes. It was absolutely amazing. Well, I stayed mostly in the budget hotels with bars in their windows, so this is not the, the kind of celebrity, what I'm celebrity life, that I'm referring to. It was most, more that I didn't often need to introduce myself. People I had just met, they knew me already, and they actually seemed to know everything about me and my work. I was the mainstream media. So no introductions needed. So even if I say that populists are great at listening, there are some moments when they are not quite willing to listen. You folk, you are excellent listeners. I'm not making any assumptions about your political alignments, but I'm just just saying. <clears throat> the art of populist communication, it begins with listening. In the most simple form, populist leaders just repeat to their audiences what the audience has told them. Let me give you an example. One of the things that Mr. Trump's supporters repeatedly told me when I asked them about his appeal was, he says what we all are thinking. So he did not complicate things by telling people something they did not already know or trying to persuade them to believe in something that they didn't already believe in. There was no risk of disagreeing, really, no burden of offering new, even if simple, solutions. Just delivering to his audience the stuff they were already thinking. Of course, the important question here is, what makes repeating someone's messages and thoughts back to them so powerful? My answer to this is that it gives these people their thoughts, their hopes, and their wishes. Indeed, their entire existence. Acceptance and legitimacy. These people, they might not have the courage or ruthlessness to say these things out loud themselves. Or they they might feel that they don't even have a platform to do so, which is quite sad, I think. Populist leaders make their supporters feel visible, that they are all right and that they are worth listening to. Let's take a moment and think about this on a more personal note. How important it is to you here in the audience to feel, to really truly feel that it is okay to be the person who you are. That regardless of all the turbulence in the world, changes around you, regardless of fears and insecurities, you are fine the way you are, absolutely fine. You are fine regardless of what, whatever anyone else says, and that you are going to be fine. Your thoughts are fine. Your choices are fine. The way you live your life is fine. And to know that there is someone powerful out there who promises to make your voice heard and your concerns addressed. How important this is to you. I think your answers may depend on your own life experiences. If you have felt accepted, if your opinions, for example, if they generally resonate with what you hear in the media, what populists are speaking, if you can open your mouth and you feel that people understand you, then this might not be so important to you. But what if that is not the case? I have personal experience on this. I want now to share with you. As you know, I'm an immigrant and populists, they like to talk about me. So let's talk about me then. The story I'm going to tell highlights how it feels To be reached out by a politician who sees you, accepts you and promises to work hard to ensure that you will also be alright in the future. Have you ever experienced that? Have you felt that politics speaks to you in that way? I think this is especially important to those people who feel that in one way or another their voice is not being heard. Their situation is really not understood by others. I was one of those people during the Brexit campaigns here in Britain. For months during the campaigns I read newspapers, I watched TV debates and along the way I heard so many descriptions of us immigrants. Who we are, what we want, what we do, how much we cost. Most of the times, these stories did not resonate with me. In fact, they started to make me feel I was a nuisance more than anything else. However, soon after the election, there was a letter waiting for me when I got back home from work. The letter was signed by two representatives of Scottish National Party Member of Parliament, Stuart MacDonald, and member of Scottish Parliament, First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon. They reached out to me, migrant from an EU country living in Scotland. First they wrote that they were aware I might have some concerns because of the recent vote. Indeed, I did. After that, they thanked me for choosing Scotland as my home. I was now told that immigration was not a problem that needed solving, making me part of that problem, but something beautiful and worthy, that they were happy to have me. They also wanted to reassure me that I remain welcome in Scotland and that my contribution to the society is valued. Finally, they offered their help and advice, should I need it phone numbers included. During my travels in the US, I made friends with Denise from Nashville, Tennessee. Denise is 50-something, I'm 40-something. We both are keen runners, we like dogs, and neither one of us has any patience for yoga. (laughs) So there, there was a common ground. There was a common ground. You always have something in common with the person you meet. Denise is a Donald Trump supporter, and getting to know her helped me to understand Trump's appeal among many smart and likable women. Her grandparents had migrated to the US from Eastern Europe. The family history, she told me, was a mixture of determination, hard work, and more hard work they had had their share of prejudice, bullying, and discrimination. Not only because of their background, but also because of visible health problems within the family. My family never asked for nor received any help, Dennis told me. But they survived, and later on also flourished. Yet now she, and I guess many people like her, felt like their efforts were not recognized by those in power. That their lifestyles, values, hardships, they were not seen or understood. Right after Mr. Trump was elected as president, I contacted Denise again to ask how she felt. There is hope in the air, she said. There is hope in the air. My first point was that it's not necessarily their communication skills, but truly knowing their voters, learning their wishes and grievances that has made populists so successful. However, there is also another misunderstanding I would like to correct. It is often said that populists, they only speak to their own audience, to their core supporters, and that only only to them forgetting all others. That they do not care what anyone else says. This is not the case. The beauty, if you allow me to use the word, the beauty of populist communication is that they know their opponents as well as they know their supporters. Perhaps they know them even better, even better. They have done their homework. While, for, for example, Donald Trump Seems to be directing his communication to his own supporters, his messages are in fact designed as much to irritate, offend, and enrage his opponents. Populists are masters in teasing out reactions from from their political opponents and people who they can label as part of the elite, part of the establishment. By doing so, they capture the media's attention and they become a news topic themselves. It's all about them. This way populists actually make their opponents to do their campaigns for them. So one last story before I round off. It is certainly true that while giving voice to some people (coughs) populists And and, and while while giving voice to some people and purpose and acceptance to some people, populists make many others feel uncomfortable, threatened and deeply worried. People who have migrated to Europe or within Europe have increasingly been hearing negative narratives on themselves. Not only by populist politicians, by the way, but also by other politicians. Sometimes also by their neighbors. People shopping in the same supermarkets, and parents watching their children play in the same playgrounds. Many of us Finns, for example, have been told to go back to Poland. (laughs) (laughs) But there are also other kinds of messages. For us Finns, our Independence Day is one of the most important celebrations of the year. What a great party it is. We stay at home, we watch the telly, as our president and his wife shake hands with hundreds of guests. It takes several hours. The queue is endless. There are so many guests and so much handshaking that there is really no time to speak. And that's the kind of party we like. (laughs) There was an occasion I spent Independence Day on a work trip in Brussels. But of course I celebrated it in a traditional manner. I was alone, in a hotel room, had some alcohol nearby. I had no access, sadly, no access to Finnish TV. So I was following the party via Twitter. Such a great night. (laughs) Then I saw something remarkable. On my Twitter feed, there was a photo of Glasgow my home for four years. The same city where politicians sent you letters. In that picture there was city chambers, its grand, beautiful building by the Church Square. It is said that there is more marble in that building than in Vatican. I don't know about that, but on the top of the building there was Finnish flag. My new hometown was celebrating my old home countries' independence. I could not imagine any way to make me feel more welcome. So these are the lessons I have learned on the importance of knowing your audience and speaking directly to them. Being a good speaker requires being a good listener. So that means there's also hope for us Finns. There's much we can all learn from populist leaders. We have to make sure we know them as well as they know us. Thank you for your kind attention. I'm afraid you know, know me as well as populists know their audiences. Thank you.
1: All right, three words. Silence. I, I couldn't understand that, sorry. Silence. Silence. As in the species, a <laughs> <laughs> listening. Yeah. So listening is extremely important. Let's see if everyone has been listening in the last 20 minutes. Does anyone have a question about how populism, what, what, what the reason is, why it, why it works so well? Would it, maybe someone can share some experiences uh, of populism in their own country? Anyone? If not, I have several questions. Ah, go ahead. Uh, so I mean, populism is certainly not a new phenomenon by the stretch of the imagination. Could you uh, s- uh, speak up and speak slowly so everyone yes. understands? Yeah. So populism isn't exactly a new phenomenon by the stretch of the imagination, but it seems as though the reaction to it, at least from what we've seen uh, in our media here in Canada, is that this is a surprise to a lot of people, that. Uh, charismatic leader would uh, talk to a a group of people who feels as though they've been left behind uh, and suddenly turn this into some sort of uh, violent, uh, extremist behavior. Uh, Anybody who's read a history book can see various examples Mm -hmm. from this. What makes you think, from what you've seen in in the U.S. or elsewhere in your studies, that this is such a surprise to so many other people?
0: Why it is surprise is a very good question, and I don't really have... I haven't thought about that so much. And, and, and it continues to be a surprise. I mean, you said read history books, but it seems that even after several successful populist leaders and parties coming up in different countries in Europe, we are still, again, surprised after another one comes up. So I have no answer to that. And, and we shouldn't be that, that surprised, I think. Political scientists would maybe say that, oh, you just need to scrutinize, like, people's opinions and see whose opinions are not represented by political parties. And it seems that there's been this growing idea that we all are quite liberal democrat and we are all about equality and we are all about being international. And then there are these people who haven't really jumped to the same train. And it's not rocket science. There are people who, if, if you don't find a party for yourself, you don't necessarily vote. And in many countries, it's been the case that people have found. that there is a party who is representing me, so I can take part in politics now. Thank you.
1: Like, um, I, I just struck, just struck me uh, that perhaps the... <laughs> <laughs> Possibly social media to print a whole new level to the, the spread of populism. It, sort of, it makes it more likely fast. But that, was, that, that wasn't what I was going to ask you about. I was really, Frank and I were nodding vigorously about when you uh, when you said about the, the way that populists know their opponents mm-hmm. better than they know their, their own audience and use them to do the work for them. It's so, it's so true. It's a great observation. Um, what, what is immediately the moment, so what would you do to stop that happening? If you're an opponent to a pocket, how do you stop that narrative laying then, then yeah, out? Because they are so provocative, and even if you as the leader of that um, opposition don't respond, somebody mm-hmm. in your camera is going to So, is there a strategy to to, to about that?
0: I would say firstly that, this is now about my experience in Finland, that they are really because, because the things that populists attack are so dear to us, it makes us really emotional. It, it makes like, uh, you know, and, and this is, we, I, I think we need to try to calm down a little bit. It's not that easy. But to go to the actual points, like listen what, what they are saying. Because at the moment, this is one big criticism that I have about those who criticize populism, is that the criticism is quite low quality. It's, it's very easy to make arguments that would resonate, for example, with this audience, and I'm not saying this is... I, I'm part of this same audience that I'm talking about because we kind of... Many of us share same values and same ideas, so then it's populists are an easy target. To say something bad about them, we all laugh, you know, ha, 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 we are all in the same group. But actually listening what they say and then, then taking the point and criticizing and, and, and challenging that... Not so much the image, because they are quite happy to to be demonised. They, they they want us to demonise themselves because when we do that, they have the argument establishment is against us. They are against us. Look what they say about us. They say that we are demons, we are horrible, we are and, and we are just human, we are normal people, you know, we are working people, and and this is the criticism they say. So I would say deep breath, calm down, see what they are actually saying go and meet them. It's, it's easier when you have the connection. It's easier to be a little bit less scared of what is going on. When you, when you know these people, you understand where they come from, maybe. And this is not to say to be less critical, but it's, that's the way I try to make better populism criticism. Because I think, I think this is what we need. But they are, they seem to be an easy target. So we need to be a bit careful of not to run after every bone they throw
1: I'd like to react on the the question about uh, the surprise part. Uh, And um, It seems to me, uh, I'm probably all wrong, but I'm going ahead anyway. Um, If if you walk through through a forest and you see a a squirrel and a bird, and there's some water, so you see a fish, you think, okay, that's a a bird and a squirrel and a fish. But when when you lump them all together, you you think, what are all these animals doing here? Then then there's a lot of them. I get the, the same feeling with populists, that because we tend to, to, to act as if they're all the same, and then there's a lot of them, but can you lump them together that easily? Is, is that some, that does, What you just told us, does it ring true for all of them, and are they one group? And uh, if they're not, then, then perhaps the surprise is on us, that we create the surprise. I, I, love,
0: I love this question, and I, I think they, they are the same and they are not the same. Countries are different, and, and populists, I think there's quite good good um, metaphor that they are like chameleons. So there are certain core things that they use, and this is what, exactly what Leonard was referring to, taking position next to saying that, well, having first of the idea that there is the, the good, genuine people, and then there is the corrupt elite and populist goes and, and takes the voice of the people and says I'm, I'm representing you against those evils. And it can, there are, establishment takes many forms. For example in Turkey one of the really criticized establishment group is now feminists. They are the, the, the enemies of the nation. And they can be. it can be media. It can be many of course poli, other, other politicians. But There's also the, why populist parties often feel so unique, that we have the feeling that this is, like in Finland, they are the the Finns party, they are the most Finnish party, in a way, because they use, they they are chameleons. They go to the different climates, different places, and they take the colors of their surroundings, which makes them feel, makes us to look at them like they seem to be like something genuine and unique and very local at the same time. However, they do cooperate a lot together. For example, the Finns party leader, he has been frequent person visiting the UKIP conferences. Now they are not in that good relationship anymore because they are in different, different um, groups in European parliaments. But they have been visiting each other's party conferences, y- using the same jokes, you know, learning the tricks of the trade, so they, they can help each other. And they have simi- lots of similarities that they can use. So, I would say they are not all the same, but there are many similar techniques. And, and also, if you look at the values, they tend to be quite quite similar. Uh, one.
1: Um, yeah, it's a, a maybe a bit of a quirky question, if I may. Um, little bit, little bit a little a bit of a quirky question, maybe, but would you agree with me that calling someone a populist is actually part of that emotional It immediately gives them a, uh, you know, a stigma, Europe which helps them to stand outside the, you know, the elite, allegedly elite politicians of the other parties. So maybe not using the populists would be wise. But it would you agree with me that? simply calling them the politicians throughout?
0: Again, really nice question. I've been talking about this with some of you already before. Uh, for me, populism as a term, it's not positive or negative. It's not, I, I don't have like, oh, you populist. It's like a party group that has this exact definition that they have certain features and then they fall to that group. And this is what many people are surprised that actually the Finns party, that is our populist party in Finland, they are openly populist. They say, they've, in, in their own writings that we are a populist party. We are a party of people, we listen to people, we raise their concerns. And I think in this kind of general political debate, people often use it as a, you know, they want to stigmatize each other. But I think academics, we need words when we we categorize political parties, but it is used in so different ways. And I I think you have a good point.
1: But as a politician, (laughs) politician, you wouldn't use it, right? For another.
0: another Yeah, and because we we need to understand that it's not only populist, not all politicians who are in populist parties are that populist. Some of them can be really fact-based and they don't make maybe make the populist argument so much. And then you have other politicians who can be really populist at times in their speeches. So it it is a little bit difficult, yeah.
1: So many questions. Yeah. Uh, I'll just... Oh, okay. In that case I'll go... A little bit okay, louder. Uh, about the word populism, but, uh, some, uh, I know it was an
0: economic who told me that what's typical for populism, that, that uh, so- social economic, they're more on the left side, cultural on the right side. Yeah. So my,
1: is protectionism a better word?
0: I think it's quite a good word in, in that sense, but if you go back to the very core, it is the idea that you are against establishment. <coughs> and this And this is actually important to understand because when we look, what happens to populist movements, when they, when they end being successful, it is often when they are in power. So it's kind of a, they, 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 want, to have, they want to have people behind them, they want to be successful, but that is, it's, it's not a good path normally for them because when you are in power, you actually start to seem like part of the elite. So the argument has to be made again and again. And in some cases, it, they are successful in that, Quite often they are not. For example, in Finland populists are in power for the first time and they are in coalition government and they have already lost so much of their support. You, you mentioned the uh, uh, metaphor of trade, eh? that some people are not on the same train as we are. Yeah. And uh, they're left behind. Mm. Um, or they feel like that. This is, this is, this but, is but the... But are they also Is it somehow that we need the hands of populists to also mm. on fault? Yes. Yes. For once, you get from an academic, you get one clear answer, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's this and there's that. I, I, I do think that the right, why populists are so successful, part of it is the failure of other parties. And now I'm, I'm, I'm quoting fellow academic, and unfortunately I can't remember which. There are these two, two really good academics, Matthew Goodwin, Goodwin and the... Anyway, they have written the book about UKIP, uh, Revelled on the Right, and one of them was giving a speech, and this is really sad because I can't remember which one of them it was, but said about the Labour Party, and he just kind of painted this picture in in our minds and said, like, this is how Labour Party has failed its constituencies and and why they have lost so much is that Labour Party politicians, they haven't really been in the field and and meeting people and, and going back there anymore. They were just used to getting the votes. And suddenly there was this... Okay, there is this UKIP coming. And of course, UKIP got lots of votes also from the from the conservatives, but then they got worried and started to knock the doors of the people. And then they were like, hey, you haven't seen me in, for a while and, and I haven't been here. By the way, I think you are racist. And this doesn't really work. So forgetting forgetting the people and then actually having the attitude that, you know, I don't your concerns are something that I don't want to touch. So you know vote for me don't be racist and and this is and, and, and if people have these fears if they have these concerns if they have these however you know nasty opinions if you like you still need to nego- negotiate that process somehow and i think that is the failure that they when they started to feel that some of the people were not like we don't like them you know i don't go there because they 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 just talk about you know i doesn't resonate. It started to be that the politicians felt that their voters don't resonate with them. So they didn't go anymore.
1: Yeah. Well. Denise? So I come from a small country with a populist problem. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have a mm,
0: I, this is actually something that I haven't really, really thought about.
1: Well, we're sitting here in Oxford in a big hall <laughs> <laughs> debating, so I guess you could say we're part of a new Yeah. <laughs> but uh,
0: what I think is really important it is to have the connection with different kind of people. This is something that we in Finland it's quite fashionable to now speak that we all are in our own bubbles and we don't know any other bubbles, and and that's of course a stereotype. But I. I have been doing interviews with journalists who write about populist parties now in Sweden, Finland, and Denmark. And I often ask these journalists, do you know any populists? What about your friends? Are there any... And some of them said, like, I, no, no, we don't have much in common, and I, I don't. And, and, and they are, it's so difficult to, to reach out to them, and, and it's difficult. They, they, they are just difficult and nasty, and I don't want to go too close. And I think this is a problem. Because it's not, only, it's not only the thing that when you go and meet different kind of people that you get information on them. I said to a couple of the journalists, like, I would really hope populists would meet you because you are an excellent journalist and you are a fantastic person and you seem so open-minded. Why don't you go there and change their view on journalists as well? I mean, have the interaction. It's not only that I go there and collect something. I'm, I'm the mainstream media, and then if they... If they talk with me, it's very nice because we can both learn something. I'm thinking about it more as a tactic. In other words, that in
1: in their uh, effort to dismiss the elite, that speech writers get thrown under the bus because of that. We saw that a lot with the Trump campaign. Mm. Um, And we've seen it with other populists on the other side. So we're just curious if you.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I think it can be close to the. The attack that there is to media as well, that you don't want somebody else to be formulating the message, and you, you just seek to the populist seek the direct contact, and they, and they want to be the one who are in charge all the time, and not anybody else, you know, doing any, you know, yeah. Let's do two more, and
1: then uh, round things off, sir. Sarah.
0: Uh, i didn't talk about that, but I talked about being mainstream media because i had I had visited um <clears throat> Donald Trump event in Ocala in Florida it's very rural, lots of ho- horse farms and it was in this livestock pavilion the event and people had like cowboy hats and it was kind of it was really exotic for me and and people were actually very nice at first. I was speaking with everybody and I was walking freely, even though I had a big media you know this kind of thing. But they were very nice. But then the speeches started. There were several speeches. Rudy Giuliani gave one, and they were were hammering the media. And journalists were, at that point, we were standing all in this kind of um, area that was designated for journalists. So it was easy to point out, like, you know. And I was standing on a chair, taking videos and taking pictures, and it was really uncomfortable because they were telling, you know, these are the people who are, Willing to to destroy everything that is valuable for you. And these are the people who twist all the words. And they will not take pictures of you. They will not show how many of you are here. They are going to lie about this. And people, you could just feel how the atmosphere changed. And they started to stare at us and take photos of us. And they've been, you know, it was just getting quite aggressive. And I told this to Denise. And she was really... Sorry about it. And she, I, I felt that she was genuinely like, like that's horrible and and that's really nasty. And, and, and her migration background is really interesting because how can she relate to other people who are facing the same? I guess her feeling was that everybody has their struggles and when you kind of work through it and you kind of get the reward. I, I don't really say that it makes sense. It was just her the, the way she sees it. But because... I liked her at first. I think it's really useful when you try to get to understand people who disagree with you. It's good to pick the persons that you like. So I didn't... When, As a journalist, I don't try to find the, the craziest Trump supporter or the most unlikable, horrible person and then write a story. I actually try to write people, find people who can explain the thing and, and from whom I can learn to kind of understand what's going on. And I'm less... I'm more responsive when, I'm more open for their stories if I like them, and I liked her, so.
1: Final question. Um, Marie, that was really fascinating. Just a quick uh, question, just picking up on what Sarah was saying. Um, when you talked about, when you spent time and hung out with these people, like this uh, lady that you're talking about Denise, did you find that they, they felt that this um, the campaign was legitimizing their views, or was it legitimizing their hatred?
0: Uh, <clears throat> the question of hatred is really interesting. I don't think they kind of see it I, I, I think if from her perspective, I think she wouldn't say that her hatred is legitimized. I, I think she would kind of say that it is legitimate for her to be disappointed because she has been you know, politicians have been disappointing and things have, have not gone the way that she has hoped for and they have not been seen. I think she felt that somebody is addressing her her views and and her hopes and and her wishes. And at the same time, she said, Donald Trump is clumsy and cartoonist and and he's kind of a bullying style. And and there was lots of things that she was ready to, to forgive him. Like, he's not perfect, but at least he's saying the right things. And what was most surprising for me, because... The first place I went when I was now last time in the US, I went to New York and I went to Harlem and there was this event by uh, black and Latino communities where they wanted to make their own communities more active in, in polit- politically and, and I was kind of expecting to, to have like lots of Obama supporters and people who, who would all be for Hillary Clinton, but no, I, I also found people who said like, well... There are things that I don't like about Donald Trump, but he's not totally wrong. He's not entirely wrong. He has his points. For example, areas that are not safe to live in and, and, and you know, he had addressed such issues. So, so I think there is genuine disappointment that people are feeling and maybe they feel that it is okay to be angry, but now they get their voice heard. I don't know if I answered your question, yeah. just, yeah, I, I tried to. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you.